guys welcome back to another episode of the outlaw country podcast today we're lucky enough to be joined today by colby acuff so colby thank you so much for joining us hey thanks for having me on guys of course man so we we've kind of been looking at your instagram and stuff and we know that you got a new project dropping in a in a few weeks called deer country music can you kind of tell us about that no what's that well uh the album's the album's name is if i were the devil okay yeah the uh but i could see like i've just been posting like individual tracks from it basically oh okay okay yeah so it'll be our sophomore album our second album uh and yeah the album's name is if i were the devil um and yeah man i mean i'm super excited for it i cannot wait for it to drop the the album is definitely um it's way more mature than our first album Okay. Is so is that Deer Country music? Is that kind of gonna be like your lead single or something like that off the album? Or are you just posting random songs from the album? I'm pretty much just putting random, you know, throwing oh. shit at the table, see what sticks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, uh yeah, for for me, that song it, it's a big tune on there. I almost didn't put it on there because it's fairly controversial as far as what it talks about um you know but as an independent artist i don't have any censorship on what i'm doing so you kind of you're kind of going, going after what country music has kind of turned into right in that song i mean yeah it's it's hard for me i mean it's it's why everyone doesn't like country music yeah yeah we agree i mean with those our favorite artists are independent artists i mean He's got a right. Mike the Moon Pies hat on. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what we like. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. It, it's more. I feel like the independent artists are more authentic with their stuff, which it we clearly hear that in your um, music, and it it just it always comes off as more honest to me, and that's what I like about like the independent um, portion of the country music. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think the uh, and you know, there's a lot of actually there's some new guys that I even like I'm not gonna lie you know hell it's I'm still a bubba I still listen to a bunch of country music you know but when you ask people if they like country music or not and they say no I don't like it because of this this and this and then you like for example I just play in one of my songs and like well that's not country I'm like no that's actually exactly the, it's the definition of it <laughs> so you know um you know, I'm not going to shame anybody on how they make it, though, because this business is a total bitch and it's hard in any way, you know, that whatever floats your boat, I'm fine with it. But this is my path that I'm taking. So, yeah. And I, I think I think you're saying it doesn't matter kind of how you make it. But also, I, I kind of also look at it like it's your you have the mic. I feel like you should say something important and, and sing something that you're that you actually feel and actually mean. So, I mean, that's that's why I can get behind and support those guys that make real honest music and not just something that they know will sell. So I, I agree with, with where you're coming from on this Deer Country music. I, I love it. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Thank you. And that's the whole album, actually, you know, it addresses a lot. Um, I mean, I wrote every song on that album except for three of them within the last year. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So all the songs are kind of like the first album is a bunch of songs, 12 songs that, you know, I had written for 10 years or for four or five years or whatever, you know? And so going into this next album, I wrote these all like basically within a year of me dropping my first album. So it addresses a lot of my personal life, you know, going forward and trying to get through COVID and all the stuff. Although, you know, I never sing a song directly about the coronavirus. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of songs on there that really do speak to uh, this year and how crazy it is and how the world's just, you know, whatever it is today. And uh, I think it's very timely. The album is going to fit really well when it comes out. Was this lockdown pretty good for you to help you with these songwriting? Just having a lot of time to do Well, you know, this year was crazy, man. I mean, we had to cancel two tours and we canceled 95 shows in April. Wow. Instantly. We were booked until, we were booked pretty solid until January 1st. Um, in, you know, so regardless of that though. So we canceled a bunch of shows and then I was like, what am I going to do? Like, what are you going to do? I mean, there's nothing to do. So I, yeah, started writing songs and kind of doing stuff that I wouldn't have had time otherwise to do. I got out and went fishing a lot and, you know, just kind of hung out. Can you guys hear that? I'm sorry if that's... No, we, we don't hear anything on our end. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I got a text message. Oh, no worries. Um, no worries. But, you know, I it did allow me to write a lot of songs. And it also, if it wasn't for this year, I wouldn't be, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be where I am now because there's actually a lot of really good things that kind of came out of it for me. Um, one of them was like a couple really good buddies of mine who were kind of trying to help me uh, with the business and stuff. Um, like for uh, like a manager, basically my buddy uh, manages me and he was working for a corporation. And then at this time he quit and started his own company and took me on as a client. So if it wasn't for that, you know, we, I don't know if we'd see exactly what we are now. So, you know, it's all give and take and who the hell knows what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So your album or is the full album releasing then in February or just part of it? I'll release all 10 songs, February 15th. Awesome. Yep. Um, well, yeah, that answered that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how I, I was kind of looking at your page, and I, I think it, you've, you've talked to me about it when we were direct messaging and stuff, but um, just for people listening and don't know exactly who you are, how would you describe your sound of music to them? Well, um, what we're kind of calling it is uh, mountain country. Mm -hmm. It's not really, uh, I mean, I get a lot like, you know, <laughs> kind of like Tyler Childers-esque stuff. I think, I think but it's I, really, I said like Appalachian to you and you're like, that. yeah, exactly. Kind of. Yeah. And like, that is, that's Tyler Childers realm, man. I mean, he is the voice of the Appalachian music stuff. Yeah. And, um, it's, I mean, he's one of my favorites. So it's definitely an honor to get that, you know, kind of be in that, I mean, I'm not going to say bumping elbows, but to be in the same space, basically, comparatively is really an honor. So, uh, but for me, it's kind of similar. I'm just from the Rockies. So I'm from the great white North, basically all the way up here in Idaho. And 
it's very similar, but like there's no haulers or anything. So, you know, I was just, it's just mountain music, it's just mountain country music to me, you know. Have you, have, um, you seen, um, have you seen the show Yellowstone? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like when you say mountain country, I kind of feel like that, like your kind of music would fit in perfectly if like Taylor Sheridan put that in one of, one of the episodes. <laughs> it worked real well. Hey, man. I would absolutely love that. If they put me on that show, man, that'd be me. I could die a happy man at that point. That's that's one of our favorite shows. We just love have that. Rip and Casey driving in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> just listen to the <laughs> I grew up on the show like that. No, oh, yeah, man. I think it'd be great. And um yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we're feeling though, you know, and it's it's definitely country music. Uh and this next album, I would say it's uh we like added drums and stuff to it so it's a little bit more of a produced album mm-hmm. like i play drums mandolin guitar and sing on the album and then we have bass and we have backup harmonies and guitar and stuff oh. Oh. um but it's still pretty raw i don't know i'm pretty excited it's uh we kept that sound that we wanted and made it bigger basically That's yeah awesome. i liked how it was kind of stripped down in your in your first album and uh I, I really like that acoustic sound kind of you're a Tyler Childers guy and so kind yeah. of thing I could compare it to is Lady May by him just kind of how yeah yeah not a lot of it's just raw like you said and you know to be fair when we were producing the album and recording it we really made it a point like okay yeah there's going to be some songs on this album like I have a song called start in the morning. That's going to be on the album. It's about day drinking. And that song just rips, you know? So we got like drums and it's, I'm doing a swing beat and we got all this shit going on in the song. It's really fun and upbeat. But then there's like another song on the album. It's called tip jar, which is about just, it's my song to myself, basically uh, just about how it talks about all the ups and all the downs of, you know, this job and how it can be so rewarding and absolutely ruthless at the same time. And that is so stripped down, basically, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot like the first album. So we, we, we kind of go back and forth. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it, man. I know. Yeah, you are too. definitely. Um, so kind of talking um, about your first album, you want to kind of tell us about life of a Rolling Stone. And I mean, first off life of a Rolling Stone, that's your favorite. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Um, so you kind of want to tell us about that album and just kind of some of the backstory of some of the songs and, you know, why it came to be. Yeah, of course, man. I mean, honestly, one of my favorite things to talk about is Life of Rolling Stone. <laughs> I love that song. And, you know, I, um, because it has a really cool story, basically. So going back to October, not this year, but the last year. So it's like 2019, October. We're playing this gig in a, this town I went to college in. It's called Moscow, Idaho. And we play it every month. Me and the bass player are the only two guys, and we're playing it. And we get done, and, you know, somebody's like, you know, you got to put out an album. You need to go on tour, blah, blah, blah. And I just graduated college, so I literally had no idea what I was going to do. Um, and my bass player was like, oh, yeah, man, we got to go on tour. <laughs> like I, it'd be so much fun to go on tour and I'm like well I'm not gonna go on tour unless we have an album like no way so within two months we put together an album and we planned a tour and that's like how this whole thing started but 
we had 11 songs ready for the album and we were, it was a week before we went and uh, recorded the full album and life of rolling stone wasn't even written yet. Okay. And I don't know. I had like watched this documentary on Hank Williams and it just like really spoke to me and I just sat down and I wrote the song in about 20 minutes and it just, I don't know. I, I love how it, you don't even know if it's about me or about Hank Williams. It's such like this culmination. I don't know. It's definitely one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Uh, I like the opening line where you're like, where you say, I'm not known to stay very long, just about the duration of an old Jimmy Rogers song. I think yeah. today a lot <laughs> of music, you get guys that are just name dropping like Cash or Hank and like that, that's fine. But I think you're really showing your, your country music credit when you're dropping Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, dude, I grew up, I grew up, my dad's a little older. So I grew up with like flat scrubs, bluegrass and Jimmy Rogers and Hank senior. And yeah. And I, I, to go off what you're saying though, I think Merle Haggard is the new one. I mean, every damn song talks about mama tried or Merle uh -huh. Haggard. And it's like, I get, I mean, I love Merle Haggard, but my but God, guy, you know, he sings more. You know the guys singing that they don't listen to that. Like, no. like George Lionel will say that, and then they they go off in an interview and say their biggest influence in music was like Wiz Khalifa or something. So it's <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I I love that. That really caught my uh, caught my attention when you when you said Jimmy Rogers because that's one you don't ever hear in in country music really as a name drop. No, and you know what's really cool, too, about country music is it's, like, really, I mean, it's America's poetry. It's, like, one of the only specific genres that is tied to this country. Yeah. It was started in this country, you know, and that's, it's a crazy thing. When And, if you know, you know in the history about it, especially if you're in it, you know. You got to know your roots and where they came from. And, like, you know, Jimmy Rogers, I mean, the guy had tuberculosis. He wasn't exactly like the best singer of all time. You know, no one's going to whatever, but you got to give the man respect. I mean, he made this genre. He was one of the building blocks that made me what I can do today. I mean, it's just phenomenal. So yeah, absolutely pay homage to Jimmy Rogers. Yeah. He, the old mule skinner. Yes. I, I love that a lot. Well, I was kind of reading up about you a little bit and I saw that you were you played the piano since you were five. Did you come from a musical family, or did music just always kind of spark an interest in you? Well, the <laughs> the running joke I always tell is that so my dad's an A cuff and like you know Roy A cuff from Grand Ole Opry and stuff, and Wait, then uh, my there, mom is there a relation? Huh? Are you related to? Not 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 just... that we know of. Oh. okay <laughs> well, hey it's okay <laughs> but not not that we know of no uh but my mom's side is williams so i always say you know acuff married a williams and had me <laughs> and uh so you know i mean yeah i mean i guess what was it i'm sorry what was the question well i was just wondering if you would come, <laughs> come from a musical background just because you've been that's right so long uh, no, but I was going to say, like, yeah, Acuff married a Williams, and uh, neither one of them could carry a tune in a bucket. Uh, you know, I, my mom, my, my mom's an artist, though. She can paint really well. Okay. My dad played drums in college in a, in a, in a cover band for free beer and, you know, whatever else you're going to get from that. Um, but, 
yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know a time in my life where I wasn't playing music. Yeah. Well, I've been doing it my whole life. Well, it, it, you really, you really caught our ear. Like I said, I mean, we, we like promoting guys that we, that we actually really like. So you reaching out to us and me, and I checked out your music and I was, I was real impressed, man. So I thank mean, you, man. Yeah. Um, so I know you probably haven't done many shows or as many sh like shows recently, but um, when you're up on stage, do you ever get like nervous before going up there or like, does it like eventually like turn to excitement where you're just kind of cruising along up there? I've never been nervous for a show in my life. All right, really? Because, well, let me tell you why. It is way easier to hide behind a guitar. Like you can be anybody you want to on stage, man. I can sit behind a guitar and be Colby Acuff. But when I'm on the street, I'm just Colby Acuff. I know that might be kind of confusing, but like my whole personality and my kind of persona is on stage. Okay. Like that is kind of the identity that you have to be. And so for me to get up on stage and uh, perform in front of people and share my music and share music with other people and make them dance and laugh and have a good time. I mean, there is no better place to be than on stage. So I'm always excited. I'm never nervous. Hey, like, how how old were you when you kind of applied to your first like big gig and like people were showing up? Were you were you you were fine with that? You weren't nervous at all to get up there? No, I played my first smoky bar when I was 12 years old here in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah, we were playing a little bit of Johnny Cash songs and a couple I knew, and then I played when I was 13. I played drums, and I we were in a 80s cover band uh where we'd go play around and stuff but yeah i mean i don't know i've been doing it for so long and um yeah i don't know the bigger the crowd the more i'm pretty hungry for that stuff too i mean i'm i'm always down to play in front of more people that's good yeah well yeah. when you were when you were coming up and didn't have your own music like you said you were 12 what what was kind of your go-to cover song you would play then oh i mean the second song i ever learned on guitar was Pulse and prison blues and oh, okay that song man i was i was 11 years old and we went to this fourth of july party and there was this college band that was playing there, cover band it was like an upright bass uh, a lead singer who played guitar and then another guitar player and that was the band and they were called d lot and that stood for dangerously low on talent <laughs> this band was awesome man they just played like dirty country songs it was sick and so they played Folsom Prison Blues, and I remember hearing that and thinking, like, man, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, so that's when I started playing guitar. So that was the second song I learned and first song I ever played live. Uh, I when I first heard Folsom Prison Blues, I remember my dad was kind of like, he, he kind of paused the song. He's like, Do you know Johnny Cash played this at like in the prisons, and he goes, they they almost rioted and stuff. And I was maybe like a freshman in high school. I didn't know that, and I was like that's so badass like i after that i just i love that song i thought it was so cool did you know that when johnny cash played at san quentin prison that merle haggard was in yeah. the in the prison <laughs> yeah. i didn't know that until a couple of years ago and i i was in my dorm and i came out and i was telling my roommates and they're like i i thought it was the coolest thing and i could tell they they could care less i'm like that's oh. so freaking cool and they they did not care that's one of the coolest stories of all time <laughs> yeah Merle came Merle, didn't like that kind of inspire Merle to, to become the artist he was 
yeah, well, he used to write songs in his prison cell, and then his prison mate told him, like, hey, man, you got a future, you know, you got to get out of here, and you got to promise me that when you get out of here, you'll try music and stop stealing cars and shit. So <laughs> that's what he did. Man, and he didn't tell anybody that. He did not tell anybody that he was in prison until he was, like, 50 years old. Wow. Oh, wow. He kept that big-time secret for his career. Wow. Yeah. Um, so kind of looking at your website, one of the first things that you see on there, you see the Moscow drinking team. Um, and then you have like a song about that. So where did that come from and kind of what's the story behind it? Well, uh, so, uh, university of Idaho is in Moscow, Idaho. And, uh, I was in college and we were playing all these college bars and having a good time. And, um, you know just whatever you know i don't know you guys are in college right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so i don't have to tell you about it you guys already know <laughs> um but i wrote that song just for my buddy so i sat down i wrote that song and um i got done with it and played it for him and they said dude you gotta you gotta release that song you gotta release it and i'm like i don't know man i mean it's it's fairly aggressive and you know Boise State is the rival college mm -hmm. in southern Idaho yeah and it talks a lot of shit on them <laughs> and so you know and I got buddies that go to Boise State but I mean releasing that was obviously the best thing I ever did it became somewhat of a drinking anthem down there and so yeah I mean it's been it has been the highlight of my career so far for sure that song has carried a lot of weight for me so yeah, yeah we were very thankful we were real curious about that and just wanted to know the story behind it. And I was telling Cole. It's true, by the way. Really? Everything in that story is true. Oh, wow. I, I was telling Cole before we got on, and I don't, I don't know if he was, because it, it's a distant relative, but uh, we, we have somewhat of a connection to Idaho. But uh, my, my, my dad's cousin and his, his mom's cousin, uh, they're she's married to the offensive coordinator for the Idaho Vandals right now. Oh, really? Chris Sinkovich is his name. Yeah. Yeah. I met no him. Vandals, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had met him maybe one time when I was little, he used to coach at UNLV in Arkansas, but I mean, and I just always thought that was, I love football growing up and always thought that was so right. cool. So kind of followed where he's been, even though I hardly ever met him, but, yeah, that's that's our one tie to Idaho, I guess. Most people don't have a tie to Idaho. There's yeah. 1.7 million that people live in this state. There's more cows than people, and there's more guns than cows. I mean, it's <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's quite the gem. I mean, right? Yeah, there's probably more down here or down here in Nebraska. There's probably more cows than people in this state too. I'd say. Yeah, no, man, I love it though. Um, as a younger artist, um, in country music what's one artist that you kind of look up to and want to want to replicate music uh similar to, i know we kind of talked about tyler childers but and i i've read seeing you're kind of an eric church luke combs fan as well which we're big fans of those guys too yeah no i mean um it comes in waves obviously like i have a bunch of people that i would say that i listen to regularly um but as far as like some some veteran artists that I really appreciate what they've done for country music specifically, um, I would say Eric Church for sure. Yeah. Eric Church is everything that I try to do in my live show is from his live show. I've seen him five times and 
every time I went to go see him was just so I could learn something else. I mean, it's like an education going to his show. If you're trying to play live music, I mean, the guy just doesn't stop. Yeah. I went to a show one time of his, or I heard a rumor that he played uh, Lollapalooza or whatever. And he played five hours. No well, break. I, yeah, I believe I, it. Yeah. I believe it. And so we implemented that in our sets. Well, didn't like, he? Well, oh, go. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go. I mean, uh, I'm just saying, like any, like I put that in my sets. Like my band, we just played New Year's Eve gig here in Idaho. Mm -hmm. We played five hours and only took two breaks. Oh well, wow! Wasn't didn't he get kicked out of like Rascal Flatts' tour because he was playing for too long? I mean, that yeah, is badass and. That's kind of, and then I think they picked up Taylor Swift, and that's kind of how she became more popular. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that opener. I mean, people that I've opened for too, like I've opened for a couple people, nobody huge, but I remember we the biggest name I've opened for is the Josh Abbott Band. Oh yeah, they're great. And we were opening. Yeah, no, they were awesome. They're super nice too. Like, you know, uh, very great people. Josh Abbott's an awesome dude. Um, but we were opening up for them, and it you know, the sound guy was like, you have to be off stage at this time. Because <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> that is exactly like, I mean, they're just very, they're sticklers about it. And I get it because everyone's there to see the main act, you know, I mean, so, um, but yeah, I mean, playing for a long time is really fun too. I mean, going over your time is always, it's fun and you know, you're over time and everyone's yelling at you behind stage. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's fun though. But I mean, sometimes, I it is very few very few times I've gone to a concert and I no offense like so we down in Nebraska we get like local openers sometimes I just I I don't care for but like I I went to go see Coulter Wall one time and Vincent Neil Emerson was the opener I never heard of yeah. him yeah and Vincent Neil Emerson is so good <laughs> I was I was just blown away I had very few times I'm blown away by the opener and I I was hooked I didn't want him to get off stage he was so damn good. That's, I mean, I can think of a couple of times. I'm a little bit of a concert junkie mm -hmm. when they were like big, you know, but I can think of a couple of times when the opener blew me away. And the first time was when I saw Eric Church open for Kenny Chesney. Oh, wow. I mean, he was, it was right after Chief released and he was, uh, the guy could not be stopped, man. It oh. was nuts. I bet that was cool. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, but as far as going back to the influence and stuff, I'd say Eric Church for live shows. Songwriting is a little different. I, I keep a list of 100 songs I wish I would have wrote. Mm -hmm. And it's on me at all times. And so that's, but I, I think a lot of really good writers, you know, I mean, I love Tyler Schiller's stuff. I love Hank Williams writing is really simple. And it carried a lot of weight. And that's kind of what we go for as well um i even i don't know if you guys know who will hogue is or not but will hogue is to me one of the best songwriters in this country um yeah there's a bunch of them out there so do you mainly do you write by yourself or do you like collaborate with guys and kind of bounce ideas off each other pretty much all actually all my songs i, I write by myself okay yeah. you, i've never collaborated have you thought of like pitching them or anything like that i i i I like when artists keep their songs. I think it means more to them and you can tell it it's more per personal of a song, but have you thought about pitching any songs to anyone? Well, it's kind of one of those things where, well, one, when you're a starting artist, you know, you don't have a lot. 
It's like you, you, you might you might not even have a band. You probably got a guitar yourself and you got your songs. Mm-hmm. So I mean I'm not opposed. I mean, I'm not opposed to having someone else like play one of my songs or pitch one of my songs. Um, but it does mean a hell of a lot to me when I play my songs because you know, I remember in the beginning when you don't have a pot to piss in and that's all you got. Yeah. So <laughs> you know. Um, kind of, I kind of wanted to circle back to Eric Church. Um, I just want to get your like kind of thought on, um, all the music that he's released this, um, in 2020, he released what, six singles in uh, yeah. 2020. What do you think, um, he's going to do like coming up with, um, his albums? Like, do you think there's going to be like double album or anything like that? Have you looked into it at all? Oh yeah. I mean, I follow him pretty hard, but I, I, I think there'll be a double album. He's gonna do a red side and a blue side. Um, thing that threw me this off. This is with the purple ones. I mean, maybe he's gonna do a triple. <laughs> you never know with that guy. He's crazy. I mean, when they wrote like Carolina, I think was the album, or maybe it was Chief. Can't remember which one it was, but like they just went to. He like brought three or four songwriters, or maybe more, and they went to a cabin in North Carolina and like wrote 150 songs and then picked 12. Wow. So, you know, the guy, he, there's nothing he won't do either. You know, that's the other thing. He kind of has his own free will to do whatever he wants. And he's got the respect of the fans. So, and the writing that he is putting out right now is, it reminds me so much of like when I very first got into Eric Church and why yeah. I got into Eric Church. And it's just like, it's really throwing it back for him, back to where, you know, it's like where all you got is your songs and uh like hell of a view is super i mean that's one of my favorite songs right now yeah i would say it's either for me it was either hell of a view or um the doing life with me either one of those yeah they're both great man they're both really good you you kind of said eric church is going back and as as country music as a whole i feel like traditional type of sound and um almost type, type of sound you have kind of the Tyler Childers, Zach Bryan, Colby Acuff, that, that sound I think is, is becoming a lot bigger and becoming more mainstream because of things like Spotify and Apple music. Do you, could you see some of these guys like you or Tyler Childers or Zach Bryan breaking through on the mainstream? Do you kind of feel those tides returning? Yeah. I mean, I really do. I think, uh, uh, so a lot of people, probably won't tell you this but i have nothing to lose so here we go <laughs> yeah. the the thing about spotify that drives me crazy with artists is a lot of people treat spotify as a way to make money mm-hmm. which that's not the point yeah Sp- like it the 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 music industry has changed so much it used to be like you you can make a lot of money selling cds but the only way you could get your CD to make money is if you had a record deal. Mm-hmm. Cause there's no one that's going to distribute a mixtape that you made in your garage and you're selling it out of the back of a Honda civic. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way to get that in to a target. So now basically anybody can, uh, basically anybody can put out their album and uh, sorry, basically anybody can put out an album 
and put it on Spotify. It doesn't have to have a label. And mm-hmm. if your song does really well, or you get a bunch of pre-saves or however you play that system or however you, however much work you want to put into it, Spotify will push your songs for you. They will do marketing for you and distribute that, you know? Oh, okay. And that's what helped us out so much. And yeah, like you make a little bit on it, but you're not making like what you would on a CD. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, where are you going to find? It's basically like a social media for music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I see where you're coming from with yeah. that. I, I think I looked up one time, though, and I, I think it's kind of a crime. It's like Spotify, they make so much a month off listeners. But it's I think I looked up, it's like 1,500 streams equivalents to $1 for the artist or something like that. It's Yeah, it's not much. And it really isn't. But people need to stop looking at it though. And like, it is, you know, say it as you will, but like Apple music, you make the same mm-hmm. and they don't even push your music. They won't help you at all. Yeah. So like, if you want to get listeners on Apple music, it has to be organic. Someone has to find you, find your music and listen to it. And that's how I would get paid off of that. Whereas like in Spotify, if I'm getting a lot of streams, Spotify will recognize that and push it out to people so I can get more streams and more, more and more and more and more and more. So I have Apple music, so I, I don't have Spotify. In what ways do they kind of push your music and, and help you? Like, do they kind of show up and like recommend an artist for other, for listeners that listen to similar sounds or, or what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so like Spotify will tell me like, okay, you had a good month. And so we're going to put you like, we're going to pick you up into the Spotify algorithm playlist. And what that means is I'm on their radar and they'll take that song and they'll start sending it out to everybody that has like some kind of vested interest in any kind of style of music that I play to see if people will like it. Cause that keeps people in it. So it's like, if he was listening to Zach Bryan or, you know, someone that has kind of a similar sound and that music were to end, it'd start maybe shuffling in something from, um colby or like tyler like other like recommended artists the the more i sit here i i just wish i had spotify i i like apple music but i think spotify has a lot more perks and things like that for for the listener and obviously for the artist too yeah yeah and you know it's when it comes down to it it's it's just uh it's just comes down to whatever you listen to as a consumer it's okay because the way that this whole thing has changed and going back just to answer the question you know a big wrap around here but you know you're asking like can can someone like me Tyler Childers, Coulter Wall, Zach Bryan like can we break into that mainstream and I think the point is is that what is the mainstream and has the mainstream changed and that's kind of what we're looking at right now is you don't have to have a label necessarily. It's a lot harder if you don't have a label, don't get me wrong. But, you know, you can make it just based on the fact that you need to start treating the streaming platforms as a social media and not as this like huge lottery ticket, this like meal ticket that everybody wants it to be. Like your money is going to come from playing live shows, which is how it should be anyway. (laughs) Like that's the best way to share music with somebody Mm -hmm. is to play for them live. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I agree there. Like almost everyone I've seen in concert, I think that, that next week, all I'm listening to is their music. It's it's way yeah. better to find some music in concert than it is to just hear it late at night when you're scrolling through Apple Music or Spotify. I feel like hearing well, it. Well, a great. 
I was oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. In person, um, you just gain a deeper appreciation for it, and then that's why you're playing it so much afterwards. It's like this dude sounded amazing live, and it and brings like, back those memories. Kind yeah, of, yeah. Like it just brings back the concert. It's like I want to keep listening and listening and listening and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You can't record emotion. You cannot record emotion or emotion and put that on a track. Mm-hmm. You know, you can. Uh, and like another good thing or a good example is like everything that you record in the studio it's either plugged in direct or you're mic'd you know like the mic's on the guitar right there or you know I'm singing right into a mic right here and when that gets recorded that's the sound you're hearing you're you're hearing it from an inch away on everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so let's say you went to a live show and I'm playing live and you walked up and put your ear right up to my guitar and said, all right, play. I want to hear it. That's not the same sound that you get live live. You get like everything in the room and everything's bouncing off of it. People are yelling and screaming and dancing and drinking and everything's fun. I mean that you can't record. So that's why live music is needs. Also, I feel like needs to have a lot more like people just think that they can put stuff on Spotify. And then that's like, that's their whole platform. But like, you gotta be able to get on stage and, you know, rub elbows with the best of them and hold that crowd yeah i mean like for example um like hold hold that crowd i would say like guys as much as i love johnny cash i'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's gonna out sing like chris stapleton or anything like that but the storytelling he has it and just his personality engages the the whole uh, of course i've never seen johnny cash in person but i can only imagine when he was in concert everyone was just locked in on him and i think kind of the personalities and the, like the storytelling is coming back in country music. Cause you look at that, like uh, that genre or th- that time in country music when it was just all about like tailgates and tan legs and stuff like that, but stuff like, like life of Rolling Stone and uh, Kate McCannon and just those good, like songs with good lyrics and good stories are coming back and people are finding that through Spotify and things like that. Totally. And it gives someone, it gives everyone a platform. Mm -hmm. Now, whether you make it or not, that's really up to, I don't know, sometimes like hard work and luck always sometimes come together in a way, you know? Um, But a lot of luck, man. (laughs) Well, um, one thing I want to know about when you play shows, do you ever, do you have like a pre-show ritual or anything like you got to do before you go on stage? Oh man, that's pretty good. Unfor- I wish I did. I, I will say this though. I never eat before a show. Really? Like how, how, like ever, like how many hours before do you stop eating? Oh, if I play it, I don't know. If I play an eight o'clock show, I won't eat past three, two or three. Oh, damn. I bet you're it just it. Well, no, I mean, you are, but you're going to be exhausted anyway. And that just comes from the emotional part of it. Like you're just putting so much out there anyway. Um, But it just, to me, if I eat before I play, I just get like really, I don't know, just like get bogged down and just kind of, I don't know. I just, but I just go, I just don't eat and I just run with it. Well, if you don't don't have like a pre-show ritual or anything, like what, what do you, if you're up there singing stuff, what are you drinking up there? whiskey beer <laughs> don't drink whiskey on stage that'll get you in trouble <laughs> <laughs> i uh the band i always drink miller light that's my beer okay gotcha yeah i always drink miller light 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to get a sponsorship sponsorship like Whiskey Myers got with them. I, that's our goal. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's one of know. our band goals. I swear to God, it's one of our band goals. It's like you know, <laughs> make it be sponsored by Miller Lite. Yeah. Get some, get <laughs> like, some egg up cans. Send them our way. <laughs> dude, we, oh God, I just ordered a custom Miller Lite sign. So the whole, I'll, I'll give you guys a, you're going to be the first person or first people to hear this. Okay. So for our, our planned tour that we're going to have here coming up, um, we're probably just going to do like an Idaho tour, maybe a Montana tour, just because we can't really go anywhere else right now. Yeah. Um, but our plan is basically we got like all these LED beer bar signs. Mm-hmm. And we're going to basically make every stage just look like a dive bar. Like no matter where we're playing, we could play at the goddamn Ritz and we're going to look like we're playing at the five and dime bar. Mm-hmm. And so, but I just ordered this custom, custom Miller light sign. And it's, it says start in the morning, which is the drinking song on the album. Mm-hmm. Colby Acuff, Miller light. I'm super excited. I can't wait for it to be here. That's awesome. That's, and then, Hey, once you, once the tour is over, you can throw that up in your man cave. It'll be freaking cool. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, I, I just can't wait for, for that. We're, uh, actually, we are going to be shooting a music video for that song as well. Oh, okay. uh, here soon. Yeah. So that, that'll drop on February 15th, hopefully as well. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll be promoting that and making sure everyone gives that a listen, man. Yeah, yeah no, man. It, it's going to be a good one. We're looking forward to it. <laughs> Is the tour then going to come like after the album releases then, I would assume? Yeah, we'll, we'll release the album um, and just kind of see what we can do, you know? Our hands are a little bit tied. We're, we're booking stuff for the summer right now. I've got some stuff on the calendar, um, but everything is up in the air, you know? So it just kind of comes down to, you know, how, what we can and can't do basically. Awesome. Well, kind of about tours, what was it like dropping your first album and then only really getting to play it for two months and then we were going into straight lockdown? What was that kind of like? Well, it's kind of like how you'd imagine it. It wasn't the best. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, you know, I'm still super thankful, man. I mean, the album did, I mean, we're, it's, it's, the dream is now here. Like we're doing this, you know what I mean? So all in all, when we started in lockdown, I was pretty nervous that we wouldn't get off the ground, but you know, uh, the album did pretty well this year and, uh, we picked up a decent fan base, you know, I mean, enough to start with, and I'm super grateful for that. Um, but yeah, not doing the tour was a total, total letdown. Um, we ended up actually playing a decent amount of shows this year, though. Idaho was fairly open for most of the year. Um, but not really till like July or late June. So we got to gig, but it was local stuff, you know. Um, I'm just really excited to get back out there, though. I mean, I, I want to go on tour really bad. Did you get creative at all or do something kind of different since you couldn't go out and tour to promote your album? Yeah, we started doing, like, uh, Facebook Live shows, kind of like everyone else was doing. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't the same, though. And they kind of, like, the first one was great, like, 
if that would have been a live audience, that would have been a huge show. I mean, we, we played for like, I don't know, 2000 people or something on Facebook. Oh, wow. It was great. Um, but then, you know, like we did it once a week and then by week six, it was kind of like, okay, we're getting, you know, getting my family and the cousins watching and where's everyone else? Cause <laughs> they just, you know, but they were just tired of it. people were like, Oh, well I have this show and this show and this show. Like once the musicians caught on to that, they're just, you know, everyone's doing that so we kind of got out of that and then basically idaho opened up again so we started playing live shows so i've been gigging a decent amount i'd say for sure gotcha um i guess kind of changing subjects a little bit um we know you do a lot of trout fishing up in idaho is there any like good bass like fishing spots up there and (laughs) focus on the trout uh well yeah i mean actually do you guys know who do you guys follow any like the professional bass fishing stuff? Not too much. Like I watch um, do you watch like much YouTube? Like, um, like do you know who the Guggen spot is? No, and I don't bass fish that much, but I, there's oh. a bunch, it's big here too. I mean, Idaho, Coeur Lake, where I'm from, Coeur Lake's Lake's in the top 100 uh, smallmouth bass lakes in the country. Oh, wow. okay. Okay. But Brandon Paulnick is from Coeur and he's, a big time professional bass fisherman. He's won Bass Masters and Bass Elite. And so, but he's from here. So yeah, bass fishing is good here, but it's also, you know, this is the West and fly fishing out here is about as good as it gets. So um, yeah, fly fishing has been a huge part of my life as well. And I was, I was a guide for the last two years as well. So okay. I don't know, it's just as more been my fancy. You're more hunting for fish. I like that. Is, is that I've never fly like fly fish before is that pretty hard to pick up and learn it looks it looks tough it's not I mean it's uh being a guide I've taught a lot of people how to do it and I've I've never had a trip where someone didn't catch fish oh okay wow so like and I get a lot of people who haven't cast a fly rod before but that being said you know if you do go out and fly fish for the first time it's just and you have a guide especially or someone teaching you if you just listen to what they're saying instead of trying to do just you know it's one of those things where it's all rhythm and patience and got to get it right but once you do i mean it's you know they're just fish i guess have you ever <laughs> done anything like like saltwater fishing or anything like that uh i just just on rod and reel i've never fly fished uh in the well, salt, yeah but... I, I just felt like like tarpon or anything like that before not the tarpon stuff. I mean, I've I've gone like down to Mexico and caught snappers and stuff. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but I, I've never. I've... Go ahead. No, go ahead. My bad. There's a delay. I'm just saying, I've never done the. <laughs> There's a delay. It's just... like I just keep interrupting you. I'm sorry, man. No, no, dude. It's totally fine. This is I like this. It's the. Uh, I'm just gonna say that I. I that was all I was gonna say, basically. It's <laughs> never done it. Yeah, bass fishing is probably about all we, only real good kind of fishing up here in Nebraska. Um, there might be some better out uh, west, but um, there, yeah, there's not there's not too much to do um, besides bass fishing. But me and Cole, we enjoy bass bass fishing a lot, and we're just curious about the type of fishing up in Idaho. Dude, I mean Idaho is. I mean, there's a lot of open space up here. A lot of mountains. Uh, we got more river miles than any other state besides maybe Alaska. Uh, definitely in the lower 48, though, we have more river miles than anywhere else. Um, yeah, between 
you know, Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming, the fly fishing, you can't beat the trout fishing. So, wow. Yeah, that's something I would definitely like to try out. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah if you're ever over in Idaho, give me a call. Yeah, we will. You want to tell them, tell them about coming to Nebraska, tell them about Bucks? Oh, yeah. Um, one place you need to come visit if you ever get back to I'm doing shows outside of Idaho, Montana, Bucks Bar and Grill here in uh, Venice, Nebraska. That's where you need to come. We've, we've had. Hey, man. We've had guys like Cody Jinks, Mike and the Moon Pies, Curtis Grimes, um, Shelby Lee Lowe. Shelby, yeah, Shelby Lee Lowe. Who, who else we've had? Whitey Morgan. Just a bunch of different like guys that have when they were when they were starting off, they they played played there. I mean, we saw Cody Jinks one time and got rained out. I wish I would have known this. He packed up his stuff, went to play at Bucks for free, and it, it's a great cool bar. Oh. Dude, I'm super down. There's actually something in the works maybe where uh, might not be so much of a planned tour, but next fall I might be uh, just basically traveling the country playing shows. Would it be like pop-up kind of shows or would you talk Yeah, I mean, basically how it would be is, I mean, it's not set in stone for sure, so I don't really want to say anything where – you know, yeah, no, I, mean, I, guess. <laughs> uh, I ended up getting held up on it. But one thing I will say is that we, uh, I'm planning on maybe making a, a move down South, kind of down to Tennessee area. Okay. And what we might do is uh, just kind of feel it out. I might just rent a tour bus and basically drive from Idaho to Tennessee and play anything we can along the way and we'll set up shows as we can and but yeah we're going in somewhere if i have a contact or look up any place that will take us to play music and we might just be playing in your city sometime if you're in nebraska you let us know man oh i will yeah you're my only people i know in nebraska (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah no it sounds like it i mean i'm i'm happy about it last thing we wanted to ask you before uh, we let you go and we, we appreciate your time man but uh with your upcoming album uh are you going to be putting that on vinyl at all Ooh, this is the question and i was kind of <laughs> we love vinyl you're gonna ask me this <laughs> here's the thing about vinyl if i knew that i had enough people that would buy the vinyl mm-hmm. i'd do it yeah and so i'll know if I get enough listeners on the album, when I release it, I'll release a vinyl. All right. Well, I, yeah, I know there's I, I know there's a risk there and stuff. But I'm, if you, we were just wondering because we we love vinyl so much. Hey man, like I said, if we get enough listeners, I'll release a vinyl. <laughs> awesome. If I, if I can, yeah, if I can just get it to where I, I think I have enough people that'll buy it, I'll I'll definitely release it because that is badass stuff. I mean, I would love to have it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll have two customers if you do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Tell your friends so uh, we can get a couple more. (laughs) We'll let them know. I mean, hey, we're going to be promoting you, and we'll we'll try and get this uh, podcast out in a couple days. We we really appreciate your time, man. Yeah. I actually got one more question for you. Yeah, go ahead. So usually at the end of each episode, Ben and I kind of say a song recommendation or that they've been like we've been listening to lately or anything like that. Um, You got anything for us? A song you guys haven't heard? Anything. Any, yeah, anything. Throw it out. 
man you've been digging lately anything oh man i mean i've been jamming to vincent neil emerson that that guy yes i love his stuff i've been playing his stuff nonstop. and then uh you know actually one guy i did not get to talk about but one guy who's super i mean influenced the hell out of me is sturgill simpson oh those bluegrass albums are so i mean i've been playing so that I was in the 0.001% of Sturgill Simpson listeners this year on Spotify. (laughs) I listen to his stuff all the time. And one song in particularly, uh, Hobo Cartoon. Yes, yes, that's a good song. Off that album. You know the story of that song? With Merle? Yeah, man, I mean, that's some cool stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I'd say. Probably nothing too crazy. I don't know if any, or uh, how about, uh, do you guys listen to uh, what is it? I think it's Drayton Farley. Uh uh-uh. uh. Can't say I have. No. There's one for you. There's a hold on a second. I'm pretty sure it's Drayton Farley. It's actually embarrassing that. Hey, we have it to look up stuff all the time. It's totally okay. Yes. <laughs> Drayton Farley. He's a he's a newer guy. He just released a, uh, an album the other day, and uh, his song "American Dream" is okay. super good. How do you, so check him out. How do you spell his first name? D R D R A Y T O N. Farley. And then okay. Farley. F A R L E Y, I believe. I'll, I'll check that out, man. We, we appreciate song recommendations. I love finding new music. Yeah. Any new artists, any new music, we always appreciate that. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's really, he's got a lot of Tyler Childers stuff, very Appalachian. He's from Alabama. He's good. Awesome. Well, hey, we appreciate it, man. Everyone, you go look up Colby Acuff. Give him a listen. He's got a new album dropping, so check that out, guys. And we appreciate you, man. Hey, appreciate the time, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Yeah, have no a good problem. night, man. In an outlaw state of mind.